Hello, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Evan Brand. I'm a certified functional medicine practitioner. You probably know that by now, but if you don't, now you do. I work with people around the world. I love my job. I'm very blessed to help people. I'm amazed at some of the things I've been able to help with. You know, I look at some of these situations with children having behavioral problems and developmental problems, and the teachers are frustrated, the parents are frustrated. We do some good lab testing, and we do some good protocols, and the kids get better. It's a miracle. There's a quiz called the ATEC, A-T-E-C, which is something we have uh, online that kids can take and parents take for the kids to rate their children and see how well they're doing. The higher the number, the worse off the kid is. So if you're at like a 50, 60, 70, you've got a really autistic child. We've been able to get these numbers down to fives and sixes, like single digits where these kids don't even meet the criteria anymore to have a diagnosis of autism. And that is using functional medicine. It's incredible. I mean, literally, I'm blown away at some of the things that have happened. Things that I would have thought were not possible. And based on some of the doctors and neurologists and some of the things that parents are told, a lot of times they get a pessimistic outlook from these physicians. My outlook is always very, very optimistic, no matter what we're up against, because I've seen so much and so many beneficial things. You know, most people, whether it's a kid or an adult, they've been to 20 practitioners before they get to me. So when they finally get to me, they're exhausted, and we finally figure things out, which is just really cool. You know, that's the same thing that happened with my own journey. I went to several different doctors seeking answers for my gut problems and mental health problems, and all they had to offer were prescription drugs and refer me out to other people, which was just not the answer. I always say... It's not a deficiency of pharmaceuticals. So when you look at depression, it's not a deficiency of antidepressants. You look at IBS, it's not a deficiency of anti-spasmatic drugs for your gut or a deficiency of acid blockers. No, it's ridiculous. So when you get prescribed something, ask the doctor, are you prescribing this because I'm deficient in this drug? And if you fix my drug deficiency, I will get better? I mean, really, it's kind of a smart-ass question. But it's the real question, and the answer, well, who knows if they even answer it, but if they do answer it, they'll probably say, no, 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 this is to help manage your disease or manage your condition. Why? Why do we want to manage conditions? I'm all about giving people Band-Aids and palliative things if they help to keep people stable to get to the root cause, but that's about it. You know, if we use some herbal anti-inflammatories, The herbal anti-inflammatories may act as a band-aid to reduce the inflammation enough to get the client on a protocol to actually fix the root cause. But we're not just going to give you some type of an herbal anti-inflammatory and leave it at that. You've still got to work backwards. So that's my little rant about conventional versus functional medicine. Same thing with parasites, bacteria, candida. Pharmaceuticals are all that are recommended for those. I've seen so many cases of C. diff, H. pylori, bacterial overgrowth, etc. And the prescriptions for these issues are very, very intense. You know, for H. pylori, you're often prescribed three or four antibiotics at the same time. They call it triple or quadruple therapy. Maybe some of you listening have already been on triple or quadruple therapy. And guess what? It rarely works. How do I know? Well, because I've seen hundreds of people with stool testing still show positive for H. pylori after they've destroyed their gut with three or four different antibiotics at the same time. And it's really tragic to see that. The good news is we can repair the damage 
and get rid of the infections using herbs with in a realistic time frame, probably six to eight weeks. So if you have gut problems, mental health issues, please reach out. I love helping people. You can read some of my reviews. It's funny, on my gin book page, which is the calendar software that you'll be linked to, when you go to my site, evanbrain.com, you can click any of the buttons on there that say make an appointment. You can read all of my reviews. I had a woman ask me if my reviews were real. She's like, these stories are too good to be true. Is this real? I'm like, it says verified customer right there. So there's no way I can even input fake reviews if I wanted to. And number two, that's really sad that we live in such a low trust world that a practitioner would have to back themselves up, if you will, to say, yes, these are real reviews from real clients. Anyhow, go read them though. There are some really cool stories. So if you just go on my site, evanbrand.com, click make an appointment, You'll be taken to GenBook, my calendar page, where you could either set up a 15-minute introductory call with Megan Gump, my functional medicine practitioner on staff, or you can book with me, or you can read some reviews and read what people say about me. Now, let's get into the show. We're talking with Justin today about float tanks, one of my favorite things ever, and I'm actually going to go float today. I kind of slept weird. I don't know what the heck I did. It's like, oh, my mid-back. So hopefully the float tank will help me. My massage therapist was unavailable, so I'm going to go with the second best thing, which is a float tank. What is a float tank? Well, it's essentially a giant bathtub. There are different sizes and shapes, but I like ones that are very large. Ocean float rooms are a good one, and my buddy Kevin Johnson, hello Kevin, if you're out there, he's down in Austin, Texas. He makes his own float tanks, and they're quite large as well. And so Kevin's tanks at his float center called Zero Gravity Institute down in Texas. It's a good place. That's where I used to go when I was in Texas. Luckily, there's a place here in Kentucky that has ocean float rooms, which are very large. And that way, when you're floating on the 10 inches of water with about 800 pounds of Epsom salt, if it's big enough, you're not going to run into the walls because the idea is that you're not touching anything, you're floating, you're in darkness, so you're completely deprived of your senses, which allows your nervous system to shut off and relax and go into parasympathetic so you can rest, digest, and heal. And so that's what I'll be doing. But we're going to get into the show today. Who is Justin? If you're new to the show, you don't know him. Uh, Dr. Justin Marcajani. he's a chiropractor, and he practices functional medicine. I met him down in Austin, Texas, and we have been recording podcasts together for, I think, four years now. We have a lot of fun, and he's done floating down in Texas, and we were kind of off air looking at float tanks where he is now in Kansas City. So he can get back into it as well because it's a really good tool to have in your toolbox. So without further ado, enjoy, and I'll talk with you at the end. So one of the best things of float tank therapy, kind of the best things of it, best aspects of it, is a couple. So first thing is just decreasing all of the input. The sensory input takes that sympathetic nervous system, that fight or flight nervous system response, that's taking in data auditory, visually, tactile, it's sensing everything, and then it's trying to to see, should I be on alert? Is this safe? Is this not? When we take all of the output, or all of the input, I'm sorry, audio, visual, everything, one, it comes down the sympathetic nervous system. Once you kind of realize that you're in a safe place, then you're not gonna drown. Because I remember when I first got in the float tank, I kind of freaked out for a minute. Cause you're like, where the heck am I? I'm in this like cocoon. I, you know, I'm, I'm stuck. It's dark. I'm in water and you kind of get freak out a little bit, but once you can kind of calm down and relax, it's like, whoa, there's no input coming in. Your nervous system can finally start to relax. And then we have the benefit of hundreds of pounds of 
magnesium crystals or magnesium salts in the water. So then we have this massive surface area, aka your whole body, sucking in all these minerals. And the minerals is what allows you to be more um, flotatious, if you will, right? You're on top of the water, you're floating. And then that's going to also drive more of a parasympathetic nervous system response. Because we know how magnesium is a natural beta blocker, relax the heart. It helps facilitate GABA working better, which is a really good inhibitory neurotransmitter. It turns down the sympathetic nervous system response and activates the parasympathetic response. Yeah, Any comments there off the bat, Evan? That's all awesome. I'm going to go way back in time before float tanks even happened and talk about how they came in because it's kind of a cool story. Dr. John Lilly, he's a neuroscientist. He's dead now. He passed away in 2001. He was born in like 1915. Uh, anyway, John Lilly, he actually got hired by the National Institute of Mental Health in 1954. I mean, this is a long time ago, and the goal of the National Institute of Mental Health were they were trying to isolate the brain from external stimulation. So they hired John Lilly. They said, okay, we need you to get a brain completely away from all sources of stimulation, and so that's how he developed the float tank. And I'm sure they were very crude compared to the float tanks now. They're amazing, but then it became recognized as rest which is restricted environmental stimulation technique. And I mean, that we're talking 1954. This is a long time ago. He did some other stuff too. Like he was working with dolphins. He was trying to communicate with dolphins inside of a float tank. And he was doing psychedelics before getting in float tanks. Oh, wow. So he was doing some other interesting things, but really he is the godfather. And so now there's float tanks everywhere. So if people just look up flotation locations, or there's another website where to float or just Google you know, New York float tank, and I'm sure you can find some places, but really what it is, it's basically a giant bathtub. My, my personal preference is what's called the ocean float room. It's the biggest. They have other ones like clamshell type tanks, but yes. the ocean float rooms are the best because they're so big. It's just a big door. It's like 10 feet tall, 10 feet wide, 10 feet long. I mean, they're just gigantic and that way you don't bump into the walls, but you know, the water is the same temperature as your skin. So they call it skin receptor neutral. So when you get inside of this about 10 inches of water, you don't even feel the water at, at, you know, after a while, your, your skin gets used to that feeling and you're not claustrophobic. You know, that's one fear people have about float tanks as well. I don't want to be in a dark enclosed space. That doesn't sound relaxing to me. Well, after you're floating for a while, you have no sense of gravity because of the magnesium you have no sense of space or depth because of the darkness so really as far as you know you're floating in outer space so i'd like to address that concern that people have with these float tanks because that was my concern at first but five ten minutes in you're fine and you yeah, lay I mean, there i had the same issue so it took me a few minutes just to kind of wrap my head around okay what's this environment like am i okay am i safe you know just am i gonna drown am i you know so it's kind of getting your head wrapped around the safety of the place and then once you feel good about it that magnesium just starts to, to creep in into your bloodstream and you just start getting really relaxed. Now, one of the big things I would do in the flow tank is I would do a lot of Wim Hof breathing and that was super, super helpful. And we can put a, an article or a video on how to do that, but that was really, really helpful. I would do a lot of meditation and or just visualization and it was just really great to calm my nervous system down. So I think typically I would do a flow tank kind of therapy and then I would, I would do a massage right after because my muscles are so relaxed. So if you guys want a parasympathetic weekend or afternoon flow tank combined by a really nice massage afterwards, your muscles are like putty.
Yeah, or vice versa. If some people are too anxious to get into the float tank, you know, typically these float tanks are in a spa setting. So you could always go in and there may be a massage therapist on staff where you could do a massage before to relax you enough to not be afraid of the float tank. But really the fear is unwarranted. There's really nothing to be afraid of. The biggest concern you may have is you get a little bead of sweat with some salt water into your eye and then you got to wipe your eye out. But beyond that, I, there's really no concern for anyone. Yeah. And Matt White kind of wrote in here on the YouTube chat, will it help with muscles? Yeah, definitely will. Now, Matt was talking about his serratus posterior. So that's going to be the serratus. That's like a rib muscle, right? So that kind of connects into the rib. So you'd want to get some myofascial release work done. And if it's hurting or kind of causing a problem while you're in the tank, I'd probably get some myofascial release work done before and then go on the float and take after but the magnesium is known to help relax the muscles so it kind of helps um you know depolarize that muscle relaxes it so that's a good first step and that should help you a lot that should allow you to enjoy the therapy better because really the goal is that we're just trying to decrease the sympathetic nervous system response so when we see patients with adrenal dysfunction we're doing the same thing we're not using float tank therapy that's an adjunct thing we can add into it but we're trying to clean up foods that are driving the sympathetic response. Inflammation, giving nutrients to support healing, using adaptogens, which help the HPA access brain to adrenal communication loop, but also affects the perception of stress, right? Some people deal with stress better and it's part of it's how they perceive it. And part of using adaptogens is adaptogens can help how you perceive stress. So if you perceive it better, then there's less HPA access brain communication crosstalk between your adrenals and your brain, which means you're less likely to over-secrete cortisol or over-secrete adrenaline, and you're more than likely to adapt to the situation. And one of the big things I tell my patients, when you're going into stress, and it's the same thing I'll do in a float tank, is the number one thing you have control over is controlling your breath. If you can control your breath, for the most part, you can control that sympathetic nervous system response. So basically four breaths into the nose and then out to the mouth. Some people say into the nose, hold for a second, and then out to the nose again for a second. So it's kind of a four in, hold for a second, and then four out, hold for a second. And that's just box breathing, but the breathing through the nose is what stimulates that parasympathetic nervous system response. This is cranial nerve number two in the in the in the nasal area, which hits the brainstem, and that activates. That's part of the vagus nerve um, system, right? So, sorry, the vagus plugs into the parasympathetics. I think it's like one, two, five, seven, nine hit the parasympathetic branch, and the vagus is the key one. That's number ten. But number two, which is the olfactory, is really important. It plugs into that parasympathetic response, allows you to start hitting the brakes. So that's really good. So anytime you're in stress, really work on nasal breathing, allowing the belly to distend when you breathe in. That allows all the organs to move down. It allows you to get a deep breath of air. And you're breathing through the belly. You're not breathing through these intercostal muscles. So I wouldn't be surprised if someone like, Matt was talking about here, you're going to put more stress on your chest and on your ribs when you're a mouth breather. And when, you're, when your chest has to rise to breathe, it should all be here. It should all be in the belly. Yeah, I love watching. You know, I've got a little girl who's, what is she, six weeks old now? 
I love watching her breathe because she is 100% belly breathing. She hasn't been conditioned yet with stress and fear and anxiety to be a mouth breather. I sent you a study. So if you can check it out, I can't put it in the YouTube comment because YouTube won't allow me to put links, but I sent it to you, Justin, in the hangout chat. Got it's it. really cool. It's a PubMed. You ought to look at the one, two, three, third picture in this study. This was in the February of 2018. It was called Examining the Short-Term Anxiolytic and Antidepressant Effect of Flotation. And there's a third picture there, and it's incredible. It's a huge list of all these different positive symptoms that we're seeing. And so the biggest benefits were heightened creativity, heightened energy, feelings of euphoria, joy, or happiness, heightened focus and ability to concentrate, a strong feeling of appreciation that you're alive, a feeling of flow with the world around you, a pain-free existence, feeling completely refreshed, relaxation of body without muscle tension, a feeling of total serenity and peacefulness. So in this study, this is all the positive effects that we're seeing. And then, of course, a reduction of anxiety and fear. And, you know, we've used it a lot for trauma, too. Uh, my friend who had the float tank center down in Texas, he had a lot of veterans that would come in with PTSD and they would get in a float tank. And, of course, you can't legally say cure, but... Let's just say the PTSD was dissolving very rapidly with these guys who, if they heard a loud sound, for example, they would get freaked out because they were around explosions in war. This had calmed the amygdala, the fear center of the brain, enough to where they no longer had that fear response. So to me, this is so cool. Now, some may ask, well, why don't you just get a float tank in your house then? You could just do it all the time. You know, I'm home so much now. I want to be out of my house. I don't want to be home anymore. So I like the idea of driving somewhere and having the 20 minutes of anticipation of going to visit a spa-like setting, showering there, getting all clean, and then having that 20 minutes of relaxed time by myself on the way back home. Now, if you're never at your house, maybe your story is different. But for me, that's why I like to go to a spa. I don't want to deal with the maintenance of it. It's expensive. I mean, you're looking at 10 grand to buy a float tank versus 60 to 70 bucks to, to have one for an hour you got salt water everywhere that's going to be all over your floor. You've got to clean up. You've got to maintenance it and uh, focus on your water filtration system all the time. It's just, to me, buying one is just not something that's worth it. Totally. And just a little correction. It's cranial nerve number one is olfactory. So okay. one is the nose, two is the eyes. I confuse them. And then in general, I'm, I'm seeing that it's saying that, that number one Cranial nerve, the olfactory, does not plug into the parasympathetic nervous system. Just an FYI, a little correction. But I've seen a lot of data where that nasal breathing does improve heart rate variability and does improve other markers of parasympathetic nervous system response. So I'm not sure if it's just an anatomical thing, but it still may have an effect on the parasympathetic nervous system based on HRV and based on other brainwave data showing that you're in a state of relaxation and healing and recovery. Yeah, that makes sense. So the big nerves for parasympathetic are going to be number three, which is going to be the ocular motor. That's the eyes. That's the moving of the eyes. Um, it's going to be obviously the vagus nerve, right? That's number 10. That's the big one that creeps throughout the whole entire body. We have number five, trigeminal, which controls the face. Uh, and then number seven, which controls the sensory on the face. And then nine, which controls the tongue, right? That's why people say singing helps a parasympathetic or they'll do tongue depressor or gargling because that works the number nine there. 
And then, of course, number 10, the Vegas, which same thing. You'll do the tongue depression and the singing for number 10 because they work the back of the palate as well. And it creeps throughout the whole entire body. So number, so the vagus nerve is that parasympathetic branch, and that really essentially creeps through your whole entire body like a spider web, and it really works on promoting relaxation. And I guarantee you, if we look a little bit more, we're going to see the vagus nerve being upregulated with deep nasal breathing. And then if you combine the magnesium salt in there and you decrease all that other sensory input, we're really just driving a parasympathetic response. And these types of therapies, and you tell me if, if you think uh, I'm off, are a really great adjunct to a functional medicine program. They really help promote healing. They're not going to do it in and of itself. If you have infections or other stressors that aren't being addressed or your diet's poor, it's not going to be enough to overcome that, but it's definitely a nice step in the right direction. And if you can combine it with other healthy lifestyle factors and supplement factors, you're really on the right direction to heal. Yeah, I agree. I actually did a podcast this morning or it was a summit interview all about anxiety and the gut brain connection. And I made the disclaimer because I was being interviewed for float tanks. And the question was the question that was uh, presented to me was, well, how do float tanks help digestive problems? And I said, well, hold on, you know, let me give the disclaimer that yeah, float tanks may help calm the nerves and therefore calm the stomach. Like if you had irritable bowel syndrome or something like that, you know, when I had digestive issues and parasites and other problems, and I would use a float tank, I would get some relief, but I gave the disclaimer that, look, if you have gut bugs, you still have gut bugs. You still got to get your testing done with your practitioner. You still got to get rid of H. pylori. You still got to get rid of parasites. However, the stress on the system can be relieved by the float tank. So I just, the question was kind of like assumed that the float tank would magically dissolve those problems. So I had to just tell the host, look, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. You still got to do the other work. I think a lot of therapies get, get that type of treatment where someone says, well, how does a massage help anxiety? It's like, well, it can, but you still, why is the anxiety there? Is it, is it something in the system creating anxiety? Like we still have to work backwards to that. And I think this is why so many people spend money on stuff, but then they still need further help. It's because that was a, what do you always call it? Palliative care versus root yeah, cause? Exactly. Yep. It totally can. So and I would we want to draw that line. So I would recommend, you know, start out to do an hour. You could do an hour float tank session. Uh, I prefer 90 minutes because 90 minutes, you really have that extra time to really settle down. I find that it takes me a good 15, 20 minutes to settle in. And then 40 minutes or so is left to relax. That's just not enough. So the 90 minute session allows you to really get out of your body. And I've had out of body experiences where literally I'm looking back at myself in the float tank from a third person perspective right. where I was just gone. Now, not everybody can relax. And, and I've only had a couple sessions like that where maybe I was relaxed enough to leave my body, but it can be very, very mind expanding. Like if you're stuck in a rut and you, uh, let's say you're trying to write a book or you're don't know what to do about your marriage or you don't know where to move or you don't know what to do about your job. You know, this is a good place where you can go and really gather all those thoughts and kind of run through your Rolodex, if you will, of all the thoughts on your mind and, and basically re reorganize your stressors as opposed to most people, all the stressors get interweaved and tangled and you can't really break apart your stress because it's all this ball of stress. Like when we work with clients, you and I always ask about stress, like what are the sources of stress? But for so many people, it becomes this tangled ball, but a float tank, a massage, 
myofascial work, as you mentioned earlier, those things can help kind of detangle the stress. And then you can identify, oh, it's stress about money or it's stress about relationship or stress about my job or stress about my parents who are sick. You know, it could be a good tool to help recalibrate your, I guess, or, or allow you to analyze your stress, if that makes sense. 100%. I think it's great. I think the more you can get that parasympathetic nervous system response down and you can be more introspective like that, I think it really helps and it allows you to make better decisions. The more your parasympathetic response, and most people are in this chronic fight or flight, whether it's from inflammation, whether it's from blood sugar, the more fight or flight response you're in, the more that sympathetic nervous system is activated, we have decreased blood flow and oxygenation to the frontal cortex. This is the neocortex. This is what allows us to have deeper thinking. The frontal cortex or the neocortex allows us to control poor decisions. We're gonna make a bad action. We're gonna say the wrong thing. We're gonna do something physically that we're gonna regret. The frontal cortex helps you basically prevent that action from happening. It allows you to, to look at consequences better and I think a lot of people, if the more sympathetic dominant they are, the more their adrenals are incredibly stressed on the cortisol and adrenaline side, you're less likely to be able to control impulses. You're less likely to look at the consequences of poor decisions. So really important, the more we can get that parasympathetic response going, the more our brain can look at outcomes better and help us make better decisions, which is really important. Yeah, well, think about our ancestors. They had a lot more time to be in that parasympathetic rest and digest, right? Like the men were out hunting. They were in the woods. They were in the fields. They're hunting and looking for food. The women were socializing and hanging out with one another. Now, you know, if you've got a stay-at-home mom who's just listening to our podcast, she's socially isolated. So maybe we're giving her some company. Hello. Hopefully we're giving you some company. However they're still socially isolated, right? They're not in their tribe anymore. And the men, you know, they're stuck working and they're not with their guys. They're not with that tribe relaxing. So I think if we were to compare the amount of time our ancestors, let's say 5,000 years ago, spent in parasympathetic versus today, I would say it's completely flip-flopped. I would say it's like 1% of the time people relax now where previously there was always relaxation built into the day because there wasn't as many external sources. You're in the middle of the woods, having a campfire, cooking your elk. And that was it. Exactly. Well, I'm glad that we at least kind of talk about some of the strategies. We can draw the line between palliative and root cause. And if you're working with a functional medicine practitioner or a nutritionist, that's helping you get to the root cause of what's going on, adding this therapy in, I think is excellent. And I would recommend adding it in with some good box breathing, deep nasal breathing, Put your hand on your chest and your hand on your tummy. You want to make sure the bottom hand, the tummy hand, is what moves out when you breathe in and then back in when you breathe out. And make sure this top hand, the chest hand, if anyone's listening, there's a video, a YouTube video available in the description. Make sure the top hand's not moving and make sure the bottom hand's moving. These are just really, really simple things you can do. And then also keeping good alignment as well. I mean, when you're floating, it's easier to keep good alignment because you gravity is like, you know, significantly less. It's two to three X less when you're already laying horizontal in the water and the water perfectly kind of, you know, comforts your body as well, which is great. This would so be something, this would be something good for pregnant women as well. You know, if you've got that pregnancy belly growing, you know, a lot of women may report low back pain or just feeling uncomfortable with the growing baby. And so uh, I do recommend pregnant women use float tanks as well. Uh, I've had some women 
that where I was in the float tank center uh, in Texas, and then I would see a couple pregnant women come out. They always reported that they felt more connected to their baby. And it was almost this sort of prenatal connection that they had to the baby while they were in there. They said that they felt like they were almost in the womb with the baby. So it was a really good emotional bonding experience too. And of course it takes the weight off of you. So uh, women out there with pregnant bellies, there you go. Go try it out. I think it could be very therapeutic. Excellent, Evan. Well, anything else you want to mention today? Uh, I would just tell people, do some Googling, go find a place, look for the ocean float room if you can. Uh, there's nothing wrong with the smaller tanks. There's nothing wrong with the clamshell style float tanks. They're still good, but for the best experience, the bigger, the better. And so if you can find a place where you can fully extend your arms, your arms are not going to hit the walls. You can just go and do gymnastics in there. You're going to feel great. And make sure you're still addressing the root cause though. If you've got an anxiety problem, you can't sleep, you've got joint pain, you've got arthritis, which some people wrote about in the comments here, you know, you got to find the root cause of those things. This may help, but there's a reason. So feel free to reach out to Justin. His website is justinhealth.com. He works with people all around the world. So it doesn't matter where you're listening, you can get help. And if you want to reach out to me, my site is evanbrand.com. We look forward to helping you. We are very blessed to be able to help people and to put this in the toolbox because your doctor down the street, they don't know anything about float tanks. So you're never going to get recommended that. If you have pain, you're going to get a painkiller. If you have anxiety, you're going to get an anti-anxiety med. We say, no, that's not the root cause. It's not a deficiency of pharmaceuticals. Exactly. And then we'll give our friend a plug down in Austin. He's over at the Zero Gravity Institute. I've gone there many times. Is that where it's zero gravity, right? Yes. Kevin. Hello, Kevin. If yeah. you're listening, I talked yeah. to Kevin like, I don't know, a year ago. And he and he's like, man, you know, he's like, you know, I still listen to every episode of your podcast, don't you? And I'm like, oh, great. So Kevin, if you're listening, hello. Thank you so much. I hope you're doing well. And I miss floating at your at your place. It's very, very awesome and high tech. So go visit him if you're in Austin, Texas. Yeah, zerogravityinstitute.com. We'll put it in the show notes. If you go in there, let them know that we referred you guys in, and I hope you guys enjoy it. And just kind of put this as one other tool in your metabolic toolbox to improve your health and get you guys functioning as optimally as possible. Good chat. Take care. Evan, have a good one. You guys take care. And also, I'll be back for a live Q&A in just a bit. So if you guys want to hang out in maybe 30 minutes to an hour, I'll be back to answer some questions and to dive deeper in to help you guys improve your health. You guys take care. We'll talk soon. See you later. Bye. Bye. All right. I hope you enjoyed that episode. As I mentioned, if you're in Texas, go check out Kevin's place. He doesn't pay me to say that. I just love Kevin. He's a great person and he has a great studio. So go check it out. And if you are not in Texas, well, Google. There's tons of places. I'm sure you can find a place nearby where you can go float. It's one of my favorite things to do if I have a free hour or two to spare or you just got to schedule it sometimes. I know you're busy. I'm busy too. That's not an excuse not to take care of yourself because here's the deal. Nobody's going to come save you. So if you have a health concern or an issue or you're burned out or you're stressed or you're anxious, okay, you got to do something. You can't just keep pushing forward and expect magically your problems are going to go away. You have to counteract your stress. So think of it like a seesaw. For however much you work and stress, that throws the seesaw the other way. Now, the effort you put into counteracting that stress needs to be equal or greater. So massage, float tanks, meditation, music, nature, walks, grounding, vacations, camping, whatever it is, essential oils, cannabis extracts, whatever you got to do to bounce the seesaw the other way, that's what you've got to do. 
So keep that in mind because you're not going to get better if you keep doing the same thing you're doing and expecting different results. If you're not getting better, you got a roadblock. There's something in the way. And that's where functional medicine can come in and help get some diagnostic testing done. Maybe it's an issue with your neurotransmitters. It's a gut infection. It's a mold mycotoxin issue like it was for me. I had the diet dialed in. It didn't matter. My brain was inflamed. So whatever it is, please reach out. I would love to help you find and fix the root cause of your issues. You can learn more at my website, evanbrand.com, spelled E-V-A-N, last name Brand, B-R-A-N-D, evanbrand.com. I look forward to talking with you again next week. Take good care. Bye. He acts like it's all good, yeah, like everything's cool. Kiss a girl the night and let me please her. She doesn't have a clue that he's terrible rules. Why I'm in the tire, got to watch out, girl. Don't wanna see her by her eyes out, girl. Cause I've been watching, you've been hurting. Let me be the one that loves you better.